You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As all of you this wonderful show and joining me for our weekly show, Mr. Tony from Forbes.com and the West Side Indianapolis News. Tony, the Pacers have won three in a row. Are we feeling better about this team finally? Adam, I forget how to cover a win streak. We haven't covered a three-game win streak since the first three games of the season, since five months ago, four months ago, four months ago. Have they won? Okay, they won consecutive games in March against Detroit and Dallas. They did. They Yeah, they won consecutive games in February as well. One time, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It has. Big. I don't remember how to cover three-game winning streaks. I, I'm joking, obviously, being facetious. Yeah, the Pacers uh, won four or five. Their loss was extremely awful against the Bulls because the Bulls had a terrible week outside of their win against the Pacers. But, yeah, they've won four or five. They're still in the thick of that hunt for the the four seed, honestly, even though these teams in front of them keep winning as well. But, yeah, they, they, they picked a good time to finally start figuring out how to beat these crappy teams. And look at that. The Pacers uh, don't look in your rearview mirror now, but here, here they come. I would say I was – I think – so they played what the Bulls on Monday or Tuesday, whatever they did. The show I did that night, I was prepared for us to talk about tanking on this podcast. I, I know. I, I said it, it last bit. week. If they go worse than three and one this week, we'll have to we'll have to talk about it, right? Well, especially after that Bulls loss, you're thinking yeah. like, oh, are they going to be able to get another win this week? Because the teams they're playing are not that much worse. Especially Memphis is probably better than the Bulls, and so. Well, the the this Memphis game actually is is part of the reason I'm actually a little more bullish on what they're doing right now because Memphis is actually good. Like Memphis is. In the in in the, in the playoff picture, firmly in the West, good record, good coach, good players. Like we saw them do very. They let's be real. They beat the Pacers for three quarters of that game handily. Uh, so they're good. That was a good win. The Magic stink. The Timberwolves stink. They still found a way to win both of those. So the Bulls game was terrible. Um, but the way that they have, you know, the Spurs win last. I know that's not this week, and we're mostly talking this week right now. But the Spurs one was good. Um, that's part of them winning four or five. The Timberwolves win. They had a lot of great moments. This Grizzlies win was really good. So it's nice to see this team finding some form and not stuck succumbing to the same mistakes that they had for a lot of the time prior to this month. Yeah. So we should say on today's show, we're going to talk next segment about the guards this week and how well they played. Uh, there's a handful of them who had a really good week from Aaron Holiday to Levert to McConnell. Uh, and then we'll obviously end the show by previewing this week's games, but um yeah, I mean the 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 Memphis game tonight. You know, this is on Monday, so it'll be, be the previous day. I think was is probably the 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 only like quality win of the week because the other two teams, like Orlando, Minnesota, are like both basically in full tank mode in some ways. Minnesota maybe isn't trying to tank. Minnesota just beat the Bulls like while right before we started recording. Yeah, but Minnesota's won fourteen games this season. Yeah, they're bad. Stupid <laughs> like that. Like they're not good. But Memphis game. Um, Memphis is a decent team. I mean, I don't know where they sit in the West. Are they like the West? They're either eighth in the West, so they're 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 a playoff team and probably will be a playoff team. And the other thing, it felt like we saw so we see Broad and Spalls both return this week, but it felt like this game was kind of a more of a return for them, I guess. Like you saw um McConnell had 20, not McConnell, Malcolm had 29, and uh Sabonis had like an near triple double tonight. Both did almost. So this felt like it's kind of the like first game where they played a good team, they're both back and look a little bit, I don't know, better. Yeah, the thing that would always happen when both of them would play well, it felt like, is they were either hogging it too much or they just the role players would just be missing everything. Like they, they those guys were getting so blitzed that everybody else was out of rhythm. But Karras played well in this one. 
Justin Holiday played good defense. Sumner hit half of his shots. A lot of the bench guys played well. And McDermott's in a better role, right? So he's more capable of having these good games, even when those two guys do really well. So it feels like that as they return to more health and Karras is more acclimated to lineups. And even after this Memphis game, he himself said that, you know, they've had more practice, not a ton, but they've had more practices kind of of late than they could have earlier that he has the playbook more down, maybe not a hundred percent, but very close to it. You know, and he's getting more involved. Brogdon said something to the effect of that. You know, he likes setting up Karras um, and he clearly did that a lot in this, this individual game. So I think that, they figured out where, how to use Sumner better. They've got McDermott in the right spot. They're getting good play from Sabonis, and as, and it's making it easier for the role players. And, you know, role players is such a sweeping term for basically everybody that isn't Brogdon and Sabonis here. I know they're not all role players, but to to be in a better position to succeed and win games, and lo and behold, it worked this week. Yeah, what I'll say, too, is the, the shot distribution. So tonight you had took 20 shots, uh, Brogdon 21, Sabonis 13. Those three guys in general should get about, I think, 50 shots. Now, it might be different. Sabonis had some foul trouble. So that's a late. little less than 50, but close. Yeah. Right, 45 to 50. And it could, one night could be Karras is 14 and Sabonis is 20, just depending on what, how many minutes right. Sabonis plays in the foul trouble. But, like, that feels like a better kind of place to be at than where, like, just how I've been shooting so bad at late that you don't want him taking 10 shots like he was. Well, it used to be, remember we were in February and we were talking about the problems this team was having, that Brogdon and Sabonis alone were getting to, like, 45, right? That's when it was ugly. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think when you have those three guys kind of get distributed, probably like 16, 18 shots each. And then it also that does is you look at the rest of the team, you don't have like a lot of random guys shooting randomly like 11 or 12 shots that really shouldn't be at times. Right? Like we've seen Lamb at times become like a super high, high volume kind of player. Same with Justin Holiday when he's, you know, and he's breaking a bunch of shots at times. So I, I think when those three guys are, are kind of sucking up the majority of the shots, it's usually a good sign because they're obviously the three guys that kind of keep the offensive engine going and those three guys had 23 combined assists as well well they almost had I mean, so they're they, not just looking i mean i know they have the ball like every possession but they're not just looking to shoot they're just playing good <laughs> well and i think the Pacers obviously I mean, they put brought in the whole fourth pretty much but they're trying to stagger it a little bit to keep at least one of Levert or Bart on the floor at all times create have some kind of offense creator uh, go around so sort of sort of I right they i thought the they, five bench lineup in there quite a bit Right? Did they, no. I well, think, I think they're getting. I, I I think they might intend to at some point have one of Karis or Brogdon, but McConnell's been playing so well that they, they don't have to. Yeah, I guess it was they didn't do as much five bench because Goga had to play more starting minutes, starter ish minutes because obviously Bones had foul trouble. Basically, the whole, foul trouble whole second half pretty much or two. But even against you know, even against the Magic, they did the five bench group as well. And the same thing though, they did they didn't need to deal with staggering Brogdon Levert because Aaron Holiday in that game was playing out of his mind right he was leading score in that one uh the Timberwolves though Brogdon didn't play so you're right that I think that that they're trying to do that at least right Levert's the first sub out amongst the guards still but they've been getting away with not for various reasons but yes I think that is the intended goal because both of them can do stuff yeah and I think the the other thing you're starting to see you told us to be kind of for the show but um Sabonis is uh I guess it's a little quick on his decision making. It feels like it feels like it isn't as much of it isn't revolving as much around him as it was early in the year. Where like he had nine assists tonight, so I mean he's still a pretty good passer, but he's not. It didn't feel like he's like you know he only had two turnovers. Versus I feel like he before he's been kind of a two to one turnover ratio for most of the season at least. Yeah, we we talked about this in the show, but it continues to improve to me that something he did, was doing that was bad is he his post ups were just long. Like he 
he's not, I guess this is the easiest way to say it. He's not shooting on post-ups like at all anymore, right? Like he's not doing the three dribble as not as much. I think he had two of those fadeaways in the paint tonight, but he, you know, he's not doing the three dribble back down, try to shoot a hook shot over his shoulder as often as he used to be. And I think that's been big for him. His assist numbers since uh, this is just a random game where he had six assists. So I guess I shouldn't do that. Um, the all-star break. Let's go with the all-star break. Cause that's a fun arbitrary town that people like having yeah. six assists per game since the all-star break three games uh, with, with high numbers there. So he's the passing has been good. I don't think he personally, this is just an observation. This might not be cooked in any stats, but he's not doing the long post-ups anymore that end in a shot. And some, and he's still finding the cutters because the cutters cut right when he catches it usually. So it's making the offense move more. They're still finding equal cutters with him. He's just not slowing things down and really bogging it down. And even Brogdon's had fewer that he still does it. Every guard still does this on the Pacers, but Brogdon used to do it the most where he would dribble there out of the ball in possessions. Levert still does it every once in a while too, but they're all doing it less. I think they're all just moving the ball quicker and more often. And I think that's been a big reason why they're playing so well. Yeah. Well, I just imagine that they're, they finally have like found their clutch ish gene this week. Right. I mean, <laughs> sort of, I mean, they, they're blowing leads, <laughs> sort but of. they, but they have to win the games. Right. So they, I what they yeah. maybe a 20 point lead against Memphis. I know they were above 20, um against the timberwolves yeah um i don't want i remember what their biggest lead was against the magic yeah i can't remember either but what i will say is like tonight for example they 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 found the play against um right they let the bird just go one-on-one and go in basically yep and they've been playing better defense like the thing that happened at the end of games is obviously teams lock in defensively more and that Pacers have trouble one-on-one they don't have a lot of really good one-on-one players right now um and because they don't have Warren, who's probably their best one-on-one guy, <laughs> who will just, you know, give him the ball at them, face him against somebody, he'll score. So they did, a, they did a pretty good job on getting second chance. Like, they missed a shot getting, getting kind of rebound, but Karras has been better. He probably is their best one-on-one player right now. And they've been playing better defense at the end, right? Like, tonight, the Grizzly turned over the ball, I think, twice in the last minute. That Jobber Morant play, where he maybe was fouled, but didn't call it whatever it was, basically sealed the game. So they've done a better job just finding, like, a way to get stops at the end of games. They, they lost a lot of games this season that they've been winning in the fourth quarter, and that has not been happening on this win streak, right? They've actually finished the game. In that way, I would say their clutch play is improved over what it used to be because they're not losing. Earlier this season, they lose these games. However, <laughs> they were up six with like two minutes to go against the Spurs. That game went to OT. They still won. They, they played clutch when it mattered, but they, they blew it. Right? Yeah. The Timberwolves, they scored 77 points in the first half. They're up 21. They needed a clutch random corner three from TJ McConnell to ice that game. Right. They, 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 it, it, they, they gave, what they give 81 second half points. They gave 81 second half points. Right. But they got the timely shot. You know, the magic, they were up 15, 99, 84 against Orlando with seven Oh three to go. You get near the end. They're up three with 14 seconds to go. And they, they had to get some stops, right. To seal that game. Right. Yeah. So they, they, they keep letting their, so the, they're still struggling from let's say eight minutes to go to two minutes to go. And we all just saw the Grizzlies game. Well, if you didn't, they won by seven, but they, they were up 20-something in the first quarter, and then the lead just slowly tripled, trickled down. But the Memphis never got the lead, but they got it to so within, within one. As well. They were within one, I'm pretty sure, at one point. They were within one, and then Morant slipped and gave it away. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And the Pacers were able to win. So, again, they've gotten the clutch play, which they didn't used to get this, se- this very season. They were not getting the clutch play. So, I guess in that way, it's improved, and it's a big story. I think Wheat Hotchkiss, Pacers.com, was asking a lot about it. After this Memphis game, at the same time, they're still having the six-minute struggle fest. But 
they've gotten the wins. So the same blueprint appears to be working for them where they, they find a way to get it done. Well, that's how they beat the Thunder this year, right? They built a big enough third quarter lead that they, <laughs> yeah. that they could blow, a, you know, be they were up like by 30 in that game. Yeah. I think they were up by 20 going into the fourth and they, I think they won by 10. I want to say the other day, like, but they just had, it was just almost too much to overcome for the other teams. But yeah. I mean, that's Basically that going back to the heat game, which was March 21st, that game, they blew it and then won in overtime. The Pistons game, they won by five. They let the Pistons back into that one. Basically every win since that heat game, except for the Mavs, they've done the same thing where they let the other team back in and then find a way right at the end. Yeah. I mean, pretty much the entire month of March, they were in almost every single game and they lost a vast majority of them. Yes. Like they had fourth quarter leads in almost all happening. of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I rather this, this scenario is the preferable scenario. Go up big and then yeah, you win by yeah. not as big. That's enough. Right. So while you could say that's an alarming fourth quarter trend, they have finished the games. They've built up the big enough leads. So it's a little better than it used to be. They're sneaking back into the record. They probably should have if they either had good fourth quarters or a little better injury like this season. And now but despite this upcoming week being not super easy, the rest of their month after this week is very easy and they have a chance to catch up to some of these other teams. So it's a good time to start a winning streak. Yeah. And they're starting to get some pretty, uh, pretty good play out of two guys who've struggled at least, I think coming into this week. And that's what we're going to talk about next. But first today's locked on the Patriot podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to place all your sports action. Football has been over for a long time. College basketball is now over, but the NBA, NHL, and baseball are in full swing. And BetOnline.ag has you covered for that and things like awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head over to the website or use your phone and sign up today, and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That means for every... $100 per day, they give you a free $50 promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I think we have to start with Karras after his, what, 34-point performance against Memphis. Um, he's finally, in my opinion, playing a little better defense than he did to start the year. And remember, like, he only like his third week in return and finally feels like he's on con- a conditioning level that makes him look a little bit just better at the end of games. Yeah, so we kind of grilled him last week, ironically. So what a flip-flop. Well, I think weeks. that the way we said it was he has not been playing well, but also he's like in week two of his of his season with the Pacers. Basically. Let's give him like six weeks, and then we can judge him. Oh, the and, whole the whole rest of the season, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you can see tonight because his legs and look as tired out of this game as they've looked, I think, in the past. I mean, he just looked like he was just like had more energy in the last five minutes, and that's part of they won tonight. Well, well, here's what we were talking about. Remember, after that Pistons game where he had 28, and it was awesome and won them the game. Dallas, he shot 28.6%. Washington, he shot 21.4%. Miami, he shot 41.7%. Charlotte, he shot 38.5%. Gross. Since then, in four out of five games, let me make sure I have the Grizzlies game. I, I'm almost positive he shot over 50%. In this yeah, game. he shot on uh, 70%. Thank you. Yeah, he's been over or at 50% in four of five and against Orlando and against Memphis, his defense has been a lot better, right? It's the best his defense has looked all season. This game against Memphis was to me the best defensive game he's played all season. So like I said in the first segment, cause I got too excited to hold on to my words for 10 minutes. Um, he is, he's admitted that he, you know, he's getting the playbook down playing with Brogdon obviously really helps him. And of course, 
as you heard during the broadcast, he owns the Grizzlies. He's had some major, major yeah, games. Yeah, he had a, his 43-point game was in Memphis in January this year. Yeah, with the Nets. So, yeah, perfect. He had a great week. He really rounded it for him. He kept the starting lineup looking good without Brogdon and Sabonis in, in two of those games and Turner in another one. I mean, they, they had basically a whole good starting five out for one of those games, and they still won because he played really well. So, yeah, Karras, after a really down couple stretches outside of a good game in Detroit, had a really good week this week. Yeah, his three-point percentage still hasn't been up there. Um, he's like – I mean, I'm this not week, even going to count on him as a shooter at this point. I yeah, think. I mean, you know, he's – we go back to his career. I mean, he's, I guess, a 34% career one, but last year shot 37% almost from three with, with the Nets. Um I think what you're starting to see is he he said it after the broadcast too, after the Nets game he was on, he's being interviewed by JJ after the game for a little bit. He just, he's starting to feel more comfortable and you can sort of see it. I mean, I think he was sort of thrown into this team that was already kind of established. And he was like told, Oh, you're just going to be our third offensive option. At times you'll be the, the one when we can't get shots. And he's like, okay. And he took him a little to figure it out. And now he's becoming more comfortable in that spot. And, He's showing flashes of like what he will be able to do once he has kind of a full offseason under him and is with this team and is at least is kind of um, making the future look a little brighter than maybe it did, let's say, two weeks ago, right? I mean, yeah. the, obviously they've been waiting for him to come back. And then once they made the victory, it was like, oh, when are we going to see him actually? And then he looks kind of like crap the first two weeks. So it's like, oh, was it really worth it? And now you're starting to see, oh, this is what he can do when he's at his best. There's maybe a chance they can, you know, this trade actually was really, really good for the page because they get two years of this guy at controlled costs and he you know people like he did tonight obviously he's worth every penny of that yeah i think something that we haven't really talked about that i've thought about that's interesting with regards to his development with the team is like obviously the thing we all talk about a lot because it's really important is like how he fits with brogdon right you know they they can set up each other we always talked about the fit of oladipo and brogdon okay the fit of lavert and brogdon is a natural follow-up they can set up each other they can be good guards they can both play off ball it'll help them both shooting blah 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 that's all true Something else that matters, though, is Lavert's chemistry with Sabonis, right? And I think that as they play more together, learning how Sabonis operates in the pick and roll and how you can use his role gravity to create space or using other guys' gravity off of those pick and rolls to create space has helped Lavert get into the paint more and get a little more of those, you know, turn those 10-footers into 8- or 7-footers, right? I feel like he's getting in a little closer with his floaters and he's been hitting more of them and he's been getting in a little deeper on those drives. And that's helping him finish more as well. That's helping him get more assists, which is something we did talk about last week. His passing has been pretty good, even though his finishing hasn't. So I think just developing that. And Sabonis, for all the stuff that we've seen, you know, for him recently, maybe he's giving the ball up more and he's imposing up as much. His screens are still amazing. That's like his best skill. So that's helping over as well, I think. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, the other guy had a really good week. Although he wasn't great against Memphis, but uh, I think oh, finally no. I was about to give him a lot of of praise against Memphis, but go ahead. Well, okay, offensively, he was, done. offensively he wasn't where he was the preteen this week, but uh, yes, to me after I don't know we've been crapping Aaron Holiday for the better part of uh, well, let's <laughs> say the whole season. Um, finally showed like oh yeah, this is why we thought this guy has potential because he scores twenty two against Minnesota and scores twenty against Orlando and he shoots like lights out from three in really both those games. I mean. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This guy, you know, at like at his best is like could be a borderline starting point guard on this team if he could ever figure out to put together for more than two games out of, you know, 50. Aaron Holiday hit nine threes in a row from the la- his last three against San Antonio to his first four against M- the Magic. His sh- And 
We continue to see, I think, that Aaron Holiday's best NBA level skill is going to be his three point shot. I think that. Yeah, but he's, is, what's he making in it right now this season overall? It's 38. Uh, oh, all right. He got it up. It was it was definitely like 34 last week. Yeah. He's close to getting that field goal percentage over the Mendoza line of 40, and his three-point percentage is up to a very respectable number. So this season might not be a wash at all. But yeah, 18 against San Antonio. He was huge down the stretch of that game. Uh, 22 against Minnesota. He was huge for a ton of that game. Uh, and then 20, a team high 20 against Orlando. And in all three of those games, I just mentioned three assists, which is his important line that I always talk about because this season he has taken a huge step back in the passing department for some reason. So uh, he's looked a lot better at picking the right shots for him. He's not taking as many weird ones. It doesn't seem like he's just hunting for a shot when he catches the ball as much, even though he still shot a lot. He had 14 shots against Orlando and 11 against San Antonio, for example. But he knows when he doesn't have it anymore, right? The Chicago game, he was off. He only shot four times. And this is the praise I was about to make in the Memphis game. Didn't have it. Didn't get, couldn't get to the right spots. Other guys were cooking. He didn't have the ball as much. Only shot three times, right? Like even earlier this season on nights he was off or nights that it, like teams, the way they were defending didn't really suit the shots he would take. He would still take a ton, right? So I think that's a subtle, tiny little growth in his game that makes it more tenable to have him out there. And I know he's only playing because – Miles is out and there's an extra spot in the rotation, but quietly he played more than Jeremy Lamb against the Grizzlies. And that might be something to think about is playing. If Aaron can continue to find a little more balance and not be quite as streaky is playing Aaron instead of Lamb in the rotation. But you know, if he can just be a spot up shooter or play at this level, he's, he's been really good. He's been helping them win games. And is a guy that you might have to think about playing some more if he can keep doing it like this. Yeah. The question is though, do you just sort of maybe hope he gets to like 38% and then his trade value goes a lot higher. Than <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they kind of need the youth pipeline on their own team. <laughs> yeah. But if you think Sumner is also going to be that guy. Yeah. yeah. He's both they clearly like Sumner more. They're starting him and playing him. I guess my point would be they need the youth pipeline, but they have like their starting five pretty much locked down at least the next two seasons. Right. I guess that's true. Warren's got uh, one, year one with Warren. Yeah, they have it all next year, but yeah. Right, but I, I don't know. I mean, they get a Warren at some point. I just think uh, for a team that has, I mean, I guess we know that Goga's going to be good now, right? Because he's been playing good for a while. But for a team yeah, that's, draft, find that's minutes, draft picks in the last four years have not gone well, like I would maybe sniff keeping your guys as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, but if you, you could turn a holiday into something like like uh, like a rotation player i'm not sure you wouldn't try to do that i'm not sure you could though i don't know what you could this, get. if he gets good enough to be worth that he is a rotation player <laughs> yeah i mean what could you yeah i don't know i don't know i don't want to talk about that yeah you're right i don't, I don't care. <laughs> i'm just saying that like it <laughs> yes should... playing better when you're young increases your trade value which is good yeah but also well, playing not... well is good for your team that you're on right now but also not that young he's almost 20, he'll be 25 he's almost 26 or 25 I'm sorry, so yeah. like he's not really that young he's just young in nba years but he came out of the league pretty late so anyways yeah he i mean to me at least he showed he kind of had a, that little like streak in this season to show the flash of what he could be because i feel like he hadn't he hasn't really had that yet right he had like the occasional game but he hasn't i think those are the first 20 point games of the season versus last year he had a couple i think early on especially when brogdon was hurt last two seasons ago in that beginning stretch in november he stepped up and so I don't know. It was good at least seem like reach reach his 20 point mark finally this year. We were going to have this segment be about just those two guys, Karis and Aaron, because I think they both had maybe their best weeks of the season for the Pacers, at least. But we'll just loop in all the guards. That's what we decided to do because Brogdon um, didn't shoot awesome against the Magic, but played nice defense. They played fine with him in the game. It was his first game back. He was excellent, excellent, excellent in this Memphis game. 29 points, 11 assists. 
almost a triple double, one rebound away. Completely led the team uh, after coming back from four games in a row uh, off of a hip injury. So that was it. Was good to see him emerge. He looks look so good. well rested. He just looks like just he like did. And I wanted to bring this up. I told Adam this before we started recording. I believe it was Scott Agnes who asked Sabonis after he returned. Sabonis returned against Orlando as well. He said, you know, how do you feel rested after all that time off physically and mentally? And Sabonis was like, mentally, I just feel so much better, you know, like not not having the pressure of playing and the routine, just like a step back is so helpful for these guys, especially Sabonis, who's been grinding the whole season. But even Brogdon had only missed two games before this hip injury. So I think that it's mentally going to help those guys so much. And I think you saw that with Brogdon. Yeah, knock on wood, Brogdon's having his healthiest year of his career, basically. By a lot. <laughs> I mean, that was rookie year. He had a really healthy rookie year. Yeah, yeah. So – I think that that'll be good for him. I think he can carry this momentum. As, as, and again, we, I just brought this up. Uh, as him and Levert grow in chemistry, they can get better. Any more Brogdon thoughts? I want to move on to the last guard who deserves praise for hitting a big three. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think Brogdon's obviously becoming the Pacers, probably their best offensive option right now. And he's yeah. really almost up to 40% from the three this, this season, which is like. If really he good. didn't have that crappy stretch for like three weeks right before all-star voting, I could have just kept beating my drum that he's the best player on the team all season long, but I had to, I had to ease off of it. Once yeah. He's sneakily though. I mean, he, I mean, sneakily, I mean, he's pretty, it's not like, sneakily, <laughs> but like becoming a high volume, high percentage shooter. I mean, yeah. that's something yeah. like, right. He, you know, he's been 50, 40, 90, obviously, but he was on like 11 shots per game. He's now at almost 17 and a half and he's 46, 40 and 87, which is like yeah. a pretty like low. And he handles the ball all the damn time. That is. Yeah. 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 He is playing fantastic this season. So yes, he was awful for not awful. is so extreme. That was so stupid of me. He was not as good for that one stretch where Sabonis was carrying the team, but yeah, he's been very good all season and showed that again against Memphis. TJ McConnell, my last guy I want to praise Uh huge game against the Spurs. I mean, basically since the Spurs, all these guards have been cooking. He, you know, huge shot dagger in the fourth or in overtime, actually um, dagger three and chirping the bench against the Timberwolves. I love that 15 assists, 19 points, 15 assists, non-starter didn't start unbelievable game. And he had a three TJ McConnell hit a clutch three. It was nuts. Uh, was huge against Orlando nine assists in 26 minutes off the bench. And then just shot five of six and had four assists in 10 points in a win over the Grizzlies. McConnell just has these stretches where people are like, Oh yeah, he could actually, He's not going to win six men of the year. Jordan Clarkson basically has it locked up. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, McConnell might sneak into that top five, especially because he's so high on the steals leaderboards as well. So really fantastic week from him. Yeah. He's just been so good this year. I mean, I'm trying to figure, I guess, how he fits into the pitch in the future, what the role is. If he had to be, you have to start much, thinking about that. Yeah. Right. Or if he ends up getting paid too much to not be on this team next year, basically. But um, they have the rights to be able to pay him enough. But then they, if they, if they, end up paying him what he'll probably cost. They, they, they'll probably have to choose between him and McDermott, but it's too early to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and frankly... If he's playing this well. If he keeps playing this well. Yeah, I mean, they're closing, they're closing games with him right now, so... Yeah. I mean, I was actually critical. perplexed. They So this Memphis game, they went up, I think, eight or nine. I, I'll just look because I have the play-by-play in front of me. They went up like eight or nine with about eight minutes to go. Uh, let me rephrase that. They went up seven. Uh, after the lead got trickled down... They go up seven with 8.14 to go, and then they subbed down McConnell, and I actually was like, why did they do that? Why didn't they leave him in with some of the starters? Lo and behold, Memphis immediately cut it to three like a minute later. He came back in. They won. But, yeah, I was actually I was actually surprised they took TJ McConnell out of the game. That's how good he's playing. Well, his defense is, like, becoming – I'm not going to call it, like, fantastic, but he's just so high energy. Yep. And his resident games, it like, makes a huge difference. I mean, he, 
was he he was guarding Morant in the last play when Morant tripped and lost the ball. I don't know if he gets the, he gets the ball out of guy's hands. He's in the pass. He doesn't like. I don't feel like his gambles fail very often. You know what I mean? That's such a no. You you, you can but, pick on him if you want to. Like if you had like a, a switch, try to switch, but like he is such a nuisance. He's absolutely the, flawed as a six foot one player. Yes. Yeah, but he's a nuisance if the if there's transition and stuff like that because he can just kind of cut off lanes. He just like flies all over yep. the place. So I, it turns out a good guard play, good play from the guys handling the ball is uh, is good for your basketball team. Yeah, and they'll have to hopefully continue that play going forward. They want to have a shot. So let's do this. Let's take one more break, and we'll preview the four games they have this week against teams they've all played this season. But first, today's episode of Locked on Pages Podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. We talked about Built Bar for a while now. It is the great-tasting protein bar that comes in. A ton of amazing flavors. Tony, how many flavors do they have at Built Bar now? Do you know? Uh, over 20. I, they don't always sell all of them at the same time, but they have over 20 flavors in total. I said they have like, we've been getting a ton of them. They're the 100% covered in chocolate bars. They're soft and easy to chew. They're great for somebody trying to be healthy conscious. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight or indulge in dosage treat at the same time, they're great for that. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. My favorite one, I always says the peanut butter brownie one is 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories. And right now, if you go to builtbar.com, you promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. It's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. And we are also brought to you by rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. You go to rockauto.com right now to shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules to brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. Get everything you need in a fusion collection directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specification, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low and the same professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on, and they have the hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Main selection, live below prices, all the purchase car ever need, rockauto.com. So the Pacers' first matchup of the week is a Tuesday night, uh, 7.30 Eastern matchup, home matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers, who are third in the West. Do you have their numbers up, Tony? Yeah, actually, I want to bring up something about the Clippers really quick, and yeah. I will also reset their numbers. I was going to bring up the first game, these two teams played against each other, so we could kind of bounce off of that. No so relevance. What can, the, what can the Pacers do better? Oh, no, it has relevance, but I'm just going to save us the time. They can do everything. <laughs> that game was terrible. They That was the second worst Pacers game of the season. It, you're right that it is a little irrelevant. It was their – I think it was the first game after they traded Vic, right? And yep. Miles yep. was out. Like it, They got – they got their asses handed to them in LA. So uh, we're not going to talk about that. They just have to play better than that. Yeah, the Clippers are first in offense. They have been shooting. They're a ridiculously good shooting team. Their offense is amazing. Their spacing is amazing. Tenth in defense, so second overall in that rating, third in the West. Um, yeah, I think that's where you sum up this team, even with guys out, right? Like Beverly's out for a while for them. Ibaka's been hurt. Rondo's in and out. They just signed Cousins, but they are first in the league in three-point percentage at 42%. The Clippers are an in Sane shooting team, and that drives everything they do. They have so much space for drives, and they are so hard to defend. Yeah, and I think the 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 likely there's two likely butchers. Obviously, um, Kawhi did not play Saturday, so but his rest or no, something. I'm sorry, playing, that's today. It's yeah, it's in today, Sunday. Rest. Um, against Detroit, so I assume he will play Tuesday. I mean, I think 
Agreed. Safe to say, but well, okay. The Clippers are on a back-to-back. Pacers on Tuesday, Pistons again on Wednesday. So there's a chance maybe they sit Paul George out the first night or Kawhi out the first night and not the second night. I don't know what they're going to well, do. Well, no matter saying. what, it's one of them will play and one of them will be the butcher because Kawhi's putting up 26 <laughs> points a game on 40 percent from three, and George is shooting 44 percent from three with 23 points per game. Yeah, they're both insane, and the Pacers will have no answer for them. I mean, they they both fit the description of the guy we've been talking about that just smokes the Pacers all season, right? Those giant forwards that can score in so many ways. They just have no answer defensively for that player, right? And they have two of them. So assuming they both play, which I'm guessing because Kawhi is resting today that that's the case, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, the, the Pacers will have no answer for those guys, and they both – they both can create for others, right? They're both averaging over five assists a game. They're both shooting ridiculously well. And if you do, like, let's say only one of them plays, right? The Pacers do this thing where they sell out to stop the really good stars. And sometimes it works. They slow down the scoring of that guy and let up more assists. Okay, now Nick Batum is shooting from three. He's shooting 41.5% from deep. Marcus Morris may be shooting three. He's shooting 46% from three this season. Ibaka is shooting 35%. Patrick Beverly's not going to play, but he's shooting over 40%. Lou Williams was shooting 38%. Reggie Jackson shooting 43%. Kennard shooting 46%. I could go down the whole roster. It's ridiculous. These guys just can every three. It's insane. So they're impossible to defend. I agree with you. The Butchers are going to be whatever stars play. They're just impossible to defend. <laughs> impossible. Yeah, that's why they're the number one red offense in the league, by the way. They also have the first free throw percentage, right? So, like, if they get around – it, I. The way you beat this team is not by trying to slow them down. If the Patriots want to win this game, and this kind of blends into my X factor, they're just going to have to make an absurd number of threes. Yeah, and so my X factor for this game is probably Doug McDermott. It's a good choice. Um, I seem to get a lot of looks. Hopefully you can have one of those nights where he's like 7 of 10 from three or something insane like that. They could really use that to have a shot, at least. The thing about McDermott is recently he's taking like no threes and still scoring like crazy. Like he's just – he's doing a great job of getting – getting into the paint and scoring. Um, but, yeah, he's a good choice. I mean, any any shooter can be your choice, or anyone who sets up the shots can be the choice. Um, man, I'm having a little bit of trouble. I'll go with Justin Holiday, who has quietly been a little bit struggling from deep recently, but he he is their highest volume catch-and-shoot guy. You know, obviously, Brogdon, I think, takes the most threes on this team. But, you know, if they're going to they're gonna try to get Justin Holiday his shots, he always shoots very open threes. He's not making him recently. If he can get – you know, let's say four of seven, five of seven from deep. That'll allow the Pacers to stay in this game. So you're actually, I mean, on a per game basis, Brockton is edging out Holiday three point attempts, but Holiday has the most three point attempts on this team. Yeah, that makes sense. Play the most that, games. That also jives. So yeah, I mean, that's a good pick. Do you think they win or lose? Um, well, amazingly, uh, because they're at home, they actually have less of a chance to win, and the Clippers are amazing. Uh, so, no, I do not think they win this game. Yeah, me either. This is probably going to be a 10 to 15 point blow up, in my guess. But <laughs> this, is a, this is an overreaction word choice. This isn't exactly what I mean, but this is a kind of pivotal game, right? Like, you've won four or five, you've won three in a row, you've not won more than three in a row all season. This is your only home game in a six game stretch. Like, if you can steal a win against a good Clippers team, you know, that could give the Pacers some momentum, so a good mental boost right that'll help them in the standings a ton like this could be a big game for gathering themselves setting up for their upcoming stretch of not very hard opponents outside of one game i so, feel like we say this every week so i don't know if it's worth, you know <laughs> but they actually took advantage of it last week they won yeah. three three or four we're kind of becoming the boys who cry wolf but whatever I, wait no 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 that's totally different <laughs>
I feel like every like every game pivotal moment. They win this game, it turns things around. This way, they don't win. <laughs> they did. They did this week. They literally just this week, but they <laughs> <laughs> they, they literally just did. It. And I chose this one game as a pivotal game. None of the rest of the week is pivotal to me. Yeah. Anyway, so their next game is a much easier matchup against the second worst team in the NBA for only, or maybe the third worst, depending on what you rank. But it's the Houston Rockets who are. 27th offensive rating and 21st defensive rating for a 26th overall net rating of minus 6.4. It is almost impossible to read their NBA stats page because their top two players are on their team. Yep. You can't look at Pacers Rockets from January because James Harden's on the Rockets, Victor Oladipo's on the Pacers. Adam, since February 6th, that is two months and six days ago, the Rockets have three wins. (laughs) They... Uh, they traded away a lot of guys at the deadline. They've had tons of terrible injuries. They have basically Christian Wood and John Wall and a bunch of role players, and they're just hoping that they can develop something like Kevin Porter into something good or Christian Wood into something good. And those guys can be good, but they haven't been. Eric Gordon's been hurt. She's not very good. Yeah, should we feel bad for John Wall, or do we think $45 million is enough to make him feel better? I'll feel bad for John Wall for forever. Yeah, and but the, one game away from the conference finals and having a very nice legacy, and they didn't do it. Well, at least Kelly Olynyk, Kelly Olynyk had a quarter of his life, and they lost. I know. I'm happy that he's making a bunch of money. Yeah, he'll be okay. Eric Gordon not playing for this team is really, really. It just really kills the Rockets because you know when Wall's out, they don't have enough creation for others. Kevin Porter can create shots for himself, as can Christian Wood, but they just none of the rest of their guys have enough ability to do anything for themselves. So. They get really stuck in their own ways. And, um, you know, they rank 25th in the league in assists per game. That really hurts. So they take a lot of threes. They're fourth in the league in those. But there are a lot of them are self-created off the dribble threes, which is why they rank last in three-point percentage. So that's kind of a scary team to face, right? A team that takes that many threes can always get hot and beat you. But they don't pass that much. And so if you just stay on your man, good closeouts, don't get beat. It could be a good game. Pacers have been not doing awesome in that regard this season. So, it's going to be a little tougher matchup-wise than people are giving it credit for, but the Rockets aren't awesome on defense at all, so who knows. So is your butcher wall or wood? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm picking Kevin Porter. So, uh, you okay. Wall or wood. Kevin Porter's been pretty good for the, the Rockets since he went there. They're just letting him do whatever. He's averaging 15 points a game. They want him to just score as much as he wants. Slumping recently. Uh, guys always break out of these slumps against the Pacers, but yeah, dude could go off for 20-plus points any given night, and the, you know, I'm not sure if they put Sumner on a wall, right? I guess that someone slower will be on Porter. So it, it's a tough matchup. He's just a good player. Yeah, I, I think uh, my butcher is probably Christian Wood. Um, Such a unique player. Yeah, well, he's the one the Pacers have kind of trouble with, right? The, I guess they'll probably have some bonus on him if Turner's back by then, which we should talk about, which not really sure he will be, I guess. But um, Impossible to cover that because I have no idea what his timeline is. Yeah, Wood but is I'd imagine of- he's back at some point this week. Is Wood kind of like if you could dream of kind of a stretch four as a guy you want? <laughs> no, he's not a stretch four. He's well, not stretch... up ever. Well, is, isn't he kind of a stretch five then? I mean, if if that's not what I think of when I think of stretch fours. I guess he can shoot and is a big man, but that's not what I think of when I think of stretch fours. I guess, right? You think more of the Kawhi mold, right? I think of stretch four. When I think, no, and I think of stretch fours, I think of like Bialica and Alinek and oh okay like, like legit stand in the corner or like move around the perimeter i get you when I, when I think of stretch forward i think of guys who are like tall and can shoot basically 
Yeah, not, I mean, he is not. that. <laughs> yeah, he's really good, and he is a good shooter for his size. So I, I guess, yes, he can stretch the floor, and he is a four. So in that way, he is a Yeah, I, guess, I, I was thinking, is he like the perfect fit if you could have him in the Pacers is all? He would fit very well in the Pacers, yes. Yeah, it's a bonus is all. But anyways. Um, Christian yeah, Woods I mean, is he, really good. And I and if Turner doesn't play, I know you're about to pick him as your butcher. Sorry, I'm monopolizing this conversation. No, you're fine. He's, he's a tough cover for his opponents because he's quick, right? Exactly. So he's tough. He's good. Exactly. That's why he's my butcher. Um, I think X Factor, I went first last time. So what do you have? Did that? Oh, whatever. Um, well, I was gonna pick Sabonis, ironically, because this is a fun yin and yang. You know, they kind of start wood on the inside or let him play at the five a lot, uh, when Olenek's on the bench. Uh, unfortunately, the Patriots have to play against Kelly Olenek again, who will inevitably try to rip Sabonis's arm out of its socket again. But um, Christian Wood cannot guard Sabonis in the post. So this could be a game where you let Sabonis take more than his few post-ups he's been getting recently and turn them into shots and um, they're just not a great defensive team so an opportunity for Sabonis to be a good creator and good player and if he steps up on defense as the next factor they will win yeah not a bad pick I think mine's going to be Karras he you know he always he is the he had 20 against Detroit he does well against bad teams Um, is that you know why this could be a good Karras game why else? The Rockets did not choose to keep Karis Levert in the. Uh, that's true. It's kind of a revengeist kind of well, game. Mental. I doubt that's a thing. I will make it a thing though. <laughs> well, he's probably like, thank God, to be honest. Yeah. So of all the bad teams, the Pacers will have played from the Wizards game through the Rockets game. This is the this is the worst team that I feel like could actually beat the Pacers just matchup wise. There's no like awesome situation for the Pacers. I still think the Pacers will win, but I'm not thrilled in my confidence about it. I think they'll win too. I would say Minnesota is the worst matchup because Anthony Edwards could just kind of score 40 one night. Yeah, he did. <laughs> First, <laughs> he, he basically did. Yeah. He basically did. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think if they don't win this game, then we'll go back to their paying conversation at some point next week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, because they'll probably have lost three in a row in this week. That's, that's true. If they if they lose to the Clippers and Jazz, then yes, definitely. Yeah, and so the next matchup, the Pacers take on the best team in the NBA right now, record-wise. Ridiculous. That, that is the Utah Jazz, who are second in offense and fourth in defense for a net rating of nearly 10. That is uh, first in the league, if you didn't realize that. Um, yeah, they're insane. They're you, half a point behind the Clippers for first in offense, right? And they're top five in defense. Like, they they are just insane. I'm honestly just waiting for something to happen to this team that luck to run out, because they've been so good. Like, you think they, they should probably even, like, be the NBA so you know what their luck sure. is, is injuries. They have been really healthy. In this season, that is really hard to do. Yeah, that's true. And it helps. It did help, honestly, they didn't make it that far in the playoffs, right? I mean, they got out in the first round, basically, so they had a yeah. little more of a rest. Um, yeah, three yeah. all-stars on the team this year. Uh, Conley was the injury replacement for an injury replacement. So, like, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter, though. He, uh, that's one of the best 15 players in the conference. Mitchell's been amazing. Gobert's been ridiculous. I mean, it's insane how good he's been. They take the most threes in the league. They make the fourth highest percentage of them because they're so good at creating open attempts. Uh, they finish a lot of lobs inside. So they have a good two-point percentage, and their defense is ridiculous. So there's really not an easy way. I think the stat I saw, this kind of goes back to what I said against the Clippers, every team that's been the Jazz this year has shot like some stupid, ridiculous percentage from three, right? Like It's like the only way to beat them because their defense, especially with Gobert inside, is so good. Yeah, Phoenix shot... Oh, Phoenix only shot 33% on mid-11 and 34 attempts, and they beat them Rare. weeks ago. Um, the Jazz very much have 2013-14 uh, Pacers vibes, in my opinion. Just They're just like a deep – they just like one through six have like six really good players, and they have even – you know, they've got to even have more on their bench. But like when you're six 
highest score is Joe Ingles, who three years ago was probably their second or third highest score. That means you're doing things right. Yeah, they they just they 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 just fit so well together. It's ridiculous. So since let's say since January sixth, because after January sixth they were four and four. They have two losses this whole season where the team shoots below forty percent from deep in that game. Right. Two since January sixth. That's three months where they have two losses where the other team isn't just hot from three. So it's it's the only way to beat them. You have you have to shoot well. Well, and the worst part is so this this is a two o'clock game. <laughs> three o'clock for me yeah yeah sorry three o'clock eastern game sorry i'm, I'm on this time that, that's okay. on a what is it well i guess it's, it's a, a friday weird timing a, well in the fourth game on the road in altitude so like this should yeah. be really really good time for the pacers is <laughs> so the this is i think the jazz have a makeup game the next day we were investigating beforehand so this game's really early so the jazz can play early the next day which is weird whatever i'm not sure it'll matter so we used to say the pacers the own the jazz Right. They and they have for a couple seasons, basically, since we've been doing this podcast. But the Jazz are so good this year. I'm no longer confident in that. Uh, who's your butcher between any of their three amazing players? Uh, it's got to be Donovan Mitchell, I think. I mean, okay. he is okay. uh, what up to 27 a game now, crazy like that. He is their Still best amazing. player on the best he's team, not their best player. Mm. He's, I, mm. I, I am an adventurer with my words. I will say Donovan Mitchell is not even their second best player. Oh my God. I was going to say, if this team ends up like first in the whole league, it ends up, you know, let's say they, what are they, end up with like 55 wins or something insane, right? 55 and 17. Shouldn't Mitchell maybe be the MVP? <laughs> He's not even the best player on his team. He's not that, like, like I'll accept he's better than Kindly. He, Gobert has been way better than him this year, like way better. Uh, I think that's a stretch to say way better. <laughs> oh, he's Gobert has been insane. Like he he is so good. Yeah, but Mitchell that's why did, I, I was gonna pick Gobert anyway. So I'm glad you picked Mitchell because fine, go ahead. Go ahead. I know you have you have the, the biggest love affair, Rudy Gobert. It's been that way for five plus or the four years I've known you for this podcast. So just gush bet him for a little bit. Yeah, he's the best defender on the planet. <laughs> that's all it is. Pacers, Pacers are gonna turn like what, what teams do against Turner that's made Turner so ridiculous this year, where guys pass out of the lane and can't finish. Gobert's going to do that to the Pacers. But every year in the playoffs, Gobert gets exposed. Uh, that has only happened one time. But mm, what about last year in the playoffs when they lost in a row? He played very well that series. Uh, did he in the last three games? I would say so, yeah. How many points did Murray have? And I guess, you know, room checking wasn't really there. Noted, noted Rudy Gobert's matchup, Jamal Murray. No, <laughs> but like the point of like Gobert is he's still going to fit through that he like screws up all your guards and, and Murray's like, nah, I'm just going to score like 40 at night. Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to, I know. I'm just, I'm just, for I'm just... The, the, the series that he did not do well was when James Harden's MVP season. That's yeah. All. I mean, James Harden Rockets cooked him that one year, well but against him that year. Very few people stopped James Harden that year though. Yeah. No one stopped James Harden that year, except for Chris Paul's hamstring. No um, one really is stopping James Harden right now either. <laughs> that's true. So Gobert's just amazing on defense. The pitchers are never going to score on the basket. That's why the teams that beat the jazz shoot well from three. And their weakest defender is our boy Boyan. So uh, X factor wise, you got to look at that matchup. But you get to go first for this game, so I will not do anything. Okay, we, we probably have to move a little faster through these. Um, Sorry, no, you're fine. I guess X factor. See, I've already picked Karras. I already picked McDermott. Uh, do we think Turner plays by this game or no? Nobody's back by this one. Because then he should be the X factor. Because I mean, obviously the Jazz team is really. Um, just a really good offensive team and being able to stop Mitchell on the rim could be key. I mean, the Pacers done a pretty good job at guarding guards this year and trying to force them into their worst games. But I mean, even they chose a bad game, which I think he did last time they played, didn't have a great game. They have so many other options. So, but they can slow Mitchell down that will go at least a little of the way towards winning. 
Pacers played them pretty tough last time, but they were not able to get done. That's the Jazz this season. Yeah, there's a lot of good X factors. I'm taking the bench. Da, da, da. You got to find a way to get a lineup advantage somewhere. The Jazz starters is like the best lineup in the league. If the bench can dominate the Jazz bench, which is really hard because Clarkson's scoring 17 points a game and Joe Ingles is ridiculous and Derek Favors is having a great season. But if they can do it, they can keep the Pacers in this game. But the Jazz are going to win, so we can move on. All right. Uh, yeah, I think they're, I think the Pacers will probably lose well. So we won in two this week so far. And the last game of the week is against Nate McMillan's Atlanta The Nate ball. 15-5, and five, you informed me of that today, since, since he took over as their head coach. The Nate ball. Crazy okay. enough that Nate McMillan has got a team back in the top four in the East. The Nate Bowl is officially happening. I'm very excited to watch this game. I mean, I I don't know how much of a story it'll actually be or what McMillan will, will or won't talk about with regards to it being his – I think they improved to 15-5 and five today. Um, yes. McMillan kind of didn't want the job anymore. That makes sense, right? He had kind of been like, if I don't do it on the playoff, he's going to be fired. So he kind of like – He – yeah. No, I, I, I am not blaming the Pacers for firing him given the situation they had. Perhaps is just better situation for him in Atlanta than it was with the Pacers, but it was agreed between him and KP that they should win around. They didn't. He said that he should win around. They didn't. I'm not going to relitigate this until closer to this game or the day after this game, but the Naples should be fun. The Hawks have a bunch of good players. They're on fire. Now they are fourth in the East. They're eighth in offense and 24th in defense, 10th in that rating in 28 and 25 and beyond the Nate ball storyline. If the Pacers do have a, you know, if they say they get one upset this week and still beat the Rockets, this game could low-key be very important for tiebreaker and approaching the four-seed purposes. So beyond the Nate Bowl, this is a very important game for the Pacers. Yeah, and somebody who didn't play and they played last time is uh, Bogdanovich, the other Bogdanovich in the league. He's back. Um, he returned around with a what, pro all-star break, right, or somewhere around there. Yep. Um, and I believe he had a really good game with Charlotte on Sunday. He had 32 points. So I'll pick him as 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 my butcher right now. Obviously, I mean, you could, I've Trey Young is obviously the easy choice, so maybe try to to go the other way. But um, yeah, Bogdan is pretty good. And a guy who I thought was going to Pacers, to be honest. Um, the almost Milwaukee Buck now, Hawk uh, is he's yeah he's just a good offensive player, and he's just when he's finally healthy, he is a he's kind of a scary two three guard in some ways. I have trivia for you, Adam. Yeah, Are you ready? Yeah. Who was the Hawks' leading scorer? In Pacers Hawks back in February. Well, it definitely wasn't Young because they held him to like 18 points or something. They did a great. Trey Young was the Hawks' fifth leading scorer. Who was the Hawks' leading scorer? Don't look it up. No, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think. It wasn't John Collins. It was, it was, was not it, John Collins. It was a was it Herder? The Herder not one? Kevin Herder. Okay, it? then I don't know. It was Clint Capella. He's oh. 24 and 10. Okay. So Trey Young had 14 assists. I think beyond me picking Trey as a butcher because he's going to be amazing. I think that the reason Trey is so dangerous against the Pacers is the passing. And they, this is another game where, you know, they love to get the ball out of those guys' hands. Remember, the story was not that Trey only had 15 points, it's that the Pacers held him to such few shot attempts. But he's the butcher because he can set up his teammates so well that guys like Clint Capella can have 24 points and Danilo Gallinari can have 20 points and all these guys can do well even when the Pacers shut down Trey. So he is my butcher because we know he's going to have either a six scoring night like he did last year against the Pacers. They get 49 or a sick passing night. And they just, they have to try their best to, to make him only have one or the other and not both. But the Hawks are so good that it's very hard. Yeah. And I think my expert of this game is coaching. He had a really good, <laughs> um, 
One, because I'm inside the matchup. Two, they, they did a really good job trapping Trey last time. They did. They, they really and they forced did. out of his hands. And it's what, I mean, you know, Trey's had like some 40-plus point games with the Pacers in the past. And so that was a huge reason they were able to get that win. And what now is like a pretty good win if they can yeah. win tonight. Win on Sunday, they finally have the tiebreaker, I think. Pop quiz number two, Adam, are you ready? Yeah. Who was the Pacers' leading scorer in the exact same game I just referenced? Aaron Holiday. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, Doug McDermott had 26. This game was drunk as hell. Apparently. Yeah, I, it, it, it was a Friday. I remember it being a Friday night game. It had to be early June, January. I mean, not June. Wow. Early January. And I just remember it being like the most bizarre game ever. My X Factor springing off of that is Karis Levert. Because as good as Reddish and Herter and Young and Bogdanovich and any of the other guards, Lou Williams, who is now in the Hawks, as good as they may be at scoring, they're not very good defensively. Reddish can be okay, but none of them are particularly threatening defensively. If Karras can continue to get his paint touches, get to his spots, set up his other teammates, could keep the Pacers in it and potentially get them a much-needed win in Atlanta. Win, win this is the hardest loss. game for me to predict this week. This is a hard one. Win or loss. Win or I think loss. they match up well with the Hawks, and the Nate Bowl will get them up and playing their best. So I, I'm going to go with a win, but I don't feel good about it. I'll go with a win, too. They go two and two this week. We'll, we'll get the other side, and they'll still be two under five hundred. And then after this week, San Antonio, OKC, Detroit, Orlando, Portland, Brooklyn, OKC, Washington, Sacramento, Atlanta, Washington, Cleveland is their next uh, stretch of games. So go two and two this week and get ready for the twelve easiest stretch games of your life. If, if they're gonna steal one, they beat LA. They beat Utah. But who are they better against? And they played so well against the Jazz historically. I know. <laughs> but the Clippers are at home, so I don't know. I'll say the Jazz, but I don't feel good about that. Yeah, I, I would agree with the Jazz seem like the most winnable of those two games, but I think I might have a jaded view of the Clippers still, just because I just think <laughs> so. You know, you have Kawhi and PG, I think you're really good, but yeah, we'll see what happens. You'll recall before the season, I believe I picked the Clippers for my champ. No, we both picked the Lakers, never mind. Yeah, that'd be the Lakers, the Clippers. Yeah, I don't, whatever, it doesn't matter. The Jazz might win it right now at, at, at this rate. It might be Jazz or Suns in these covered fun, or what kind of funds the way it looks right now. Yeah. Um, like, so I think you'll have what a Tuesday show previewing the games, yep. probably. Then I'll have Wednesday show and Thursday, something, then you'll have Friday show, right? That's sort Correct. of the end for the week. So look, look for those. As always, we do five podcasts a week. Uh, we do these weekly shows, check that out every week. And then we do kind of game previews and game breakdowns throughout the week where Tony and I rotate on and off. Um, as always, you can follow our podcast at Lockdown Pages on Twitter, me at Freeman of Five, Tony at TEs, MBA. That is all for his Locked on Page podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.